Support for Pivot comes from Vanta. When it comes to ensuring your company has top-notch security practices, things can get complicated fast. Now, you can assess risk, secure the trust of your customers, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more with a single platform, and that platform is Vanta. Vanta's market-leading trust management platform helps you continuously monitor compliance alongside reporting and tracking risk. Plus, you can save time by completing security questionnaires with Vanta AI. To learn why thousands of global companies use Vanta to automate evidence collection, unify risk management, and streamline security reviews, watch Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com slash pivot. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash pivot to watch Vanta's on-demand demo. Support for Pivot comes from Pendo. Pendo improves the apps your customers and employees rely on. Whether you're building applications for customers or managing applications for employees, Pendo can help deliver better experiences for your users so they can get more value from your software. Visit pendo.io slash pivot to learn more about how your team can use Pendo to start building better digital experiences. There you can also check out Pendo's lineup of free certification courses, 12 hours of in-depth training for your product management teams on topics from AI to product analytics to product-led growth. That's pendo.io slash pivot to learn more. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. Y yo estoy el paro, el perro en Madrid. Y, ti, y uh, yo tengo disfunción oh erectile. Hola. Hola, Kara. What are you doing in Spain? You were just in the Maldives. What am I doing here? I What's give you going a, on? I want to give you a visual here. I'm literally in the same desk, but go ahead. Keep going. Tell me. You see this beautiful thing of ham they left in the hotel room for me? Yum. Oh, that's that. Ham Iberico is that Iberico? Iberico and Spanish ham and these beautiful glasses that I'm scared in wine that I'm scared to drink out of. Anyways, wow, it's beautiful here. They're deep. I'm in Madrid. You get to quaff deeply. I'm in Madrid. What? Why are you in Madrid? Let me. Well, no. The better question word. is why wouldn't I be? It's a beautiful city. Uh, um, I understand. I that. told you I'm a yes to everything. My friend Orlando, uh, yeah. who I've known for 22 years, who's from El Salvador, um, who I actually met in Montauk of all places. Called me. He okay. Lives in, all right. So now we're, we're gone from El Salvador to Montauk, and now we're in Madrid. Go ahead. Yeah, he called me. He lives in Lisbon now, and with all the other hedge fund managers avoiding taxes. But anyways, and he said, "Let's go to Madrid in this weekend." Like, call me two months ago, and you know my thing. I'm a yes, right? I'm a yes. You're a yes. And so you here we say are. Yes to me a lot. Hey Scott, I'm do you want to come to my house, stay in the guest room, and watch the kids? When have I ever said no to Scott, Kara Swisher? <laughs> come to DC and. Sleep in the guest room and have the kids wake you up in the morning, and you can babysit. Yeah. Can you say yes to that? Yeah, no, but see, that's not a sincere offer. You don't really want me to do that. I really do. I although would I leave you with my kids alone? Interesting question. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. No, I don't leave me alone hmm. with my kids. <laughs> I go to Madrid. Yeah, yeah. I go to Madrid. Speaking of which, yeah. can I just tell you, yeah. Amanda really liked our little Esther Perel shrink. Yeah, session. we've gotten a lot of positive feedback. Yeah, people. She was particularly struck by your vulnerability. It was. It's all it an act, Kara. It's it's part of no, my attempt to get a bigger contract from Sirius XM. I've been told that being emotionally manipulative. Is, I think she's a little jealous of our relationship too. I think she'd like to have a shrink session like that with Esther. Uh, I got to imagine a lot of people would pay a lot of money to have what is arguably one of the, you know, finest. Yeah, one yeah. of the finest psychotherapists in the world. Kind of talk about uh, a relationship. I also really like the framing, and you said this at the beginning, the framing that was really interesting was we're going to talk about, we're going to start from a place of positive, positivity, what mm -hmm. works here. And I thought that was really interesting yeah. that to use her skills as a means of sussing out what works in relationships such that other people can learn. I thought, yeah. that, was, I thought mm -hmm. that was interesting. Yeah, everybody knows the problems, right? That's mm -hmm. why you're in therapy. Let me tell you what I don't like about this person. We don't do that very much. Except really. for the part where I said, that yeah. bitch, if she wants to live in Agoura Hills, and I won't work all the time. Um, <laughs> that's anyway, good. it was very beautiful. It was beautiful. I hadn't, you know, I don't, I, I listened to it, and I thought, there's a lot in here I didn't even see when it was happening, I haven't listened if that to it makes yet. sense. Came, I was a little self-conscious. You should. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, because I was like, oh, wow, I didn't hear that that way. And then, anyway, I have to tell you, Amanda was super impressed with your self-actualization. She was super, yeah, super right. impressed. Yeah, yeah. Thank She's you for that. And I got I'll tell you what I got a lot of notes is like I really now love after this um I got I'm going to read it cuz it was real. I sent it to you, I think. Um 
This is a friend of mine, and and she was struck by it. She's a big Pivot fan. Uh, she goes, love, love, love Pivot today. It makes me emotional. I can't tell how much uh, Pivot, in addition to on, has been life-changing as a parent, as a parent of a boy in particular. And Scott used to drive me insane. And now, dare I say, I love him. Um, anyway, it was I, she, you have shifted people with your vulnerability. Can I just say so, I'm really enjoying this podcast so far? Okay, good. Okay, this is, so far, this is my favorite podcast. Yeah. Anyway, we've got a lot to get to today, including the Senate getting ready to pass a major piece of tech regulation and what NVIDIA's blockbuster earnings, they were impressive, mean for the future of AI. Uh, but first, this story, Alabama's largest hospital has paused IVF treatments following the state Supreme Court ruling that frozen embryos can be considered children. The case was brought by three couples who went through IVF and had embryos stored at the, uh, an Alabama hospital before they were mistakenly dropped. The ruling makes way for individuals to be held liable in a wrongful death lawsuit for the destruction of a frozen embryo. The result has sparked fears. IVF could be restricted or ended statewide. I think that's pretty much what's happening. And 2% of births in the year of the U.S. involve IVF. The fertility services market is worth $54 billion. Only 6% of Americans have a problem with it. Um I don't know what to say about this. This is, I'm not going to Alabama, that's for sure. So, yeah, but in a weird way, I was sort of happy when I saw this because I generally believe that this is just such a winner for us. I think this gets Biden another five or 10 basis points in the polls. I just, when you see that, I think the, the Republic for, for Republicans, the pro life uh, viewpoint or stance was the perfect issue for them because no one actually thought they would do it. And they got they would to, win. The they, dog would catch the car, right, yeah. and they got to appeal to their hard right base. But moderates didn't really vote on the issue, even if they were in most moderates are pro-choice, because they thought, well, wink, wink, when you know the Republicans' niece uh, gets pregnant in college, they figure out a way, and they just don't talk about it. We all we all figure out a way, and Republicans kind of you know turn away, and they're fine with it as well. And then when Trump put these three people on the Supreme Court who basically lied in front of Congress, said this is established precedence, and then immediately got on the court and overturned it. People are like, it, literally, I, I, a lot of people, um, and you, you claim that you saw this coming. I did not. I did not believe this was going to happen. But if you look at what's happened, I don't want to say it's, the, it's a good thing for Democrats, because anytime you turn back rights for women, it's a bad thing. But short term, what you have is, first off, it hasn't had much impact yet on family planning. There's actually been more abortions since Roe v. Wade was overturned than before. But when moderates see this kind of shit going on, they think, yeah, it's, it's they think, wow, Handmaid's Tale. It feels yeah. very Handmaid's Tale. It also, you know, it's, I, I, the fact that you don't see this is coming. They can't. Ha they they what they say they mean. I always say that to people. I'm the same way around gay issues. They want gays to be restricted. That's what they want. They say it, and I keep saying to people, they're like, no, no, gay marriage. I'm like, they want that overturned. I can feel it from them. They're, they're, they've been angry and seething for years. This, this small group of people, by the way, it's a very small group. Same thing with these, these, these extreme anti-abortion uh, advocates. They are religious- Zealots. Zealots, that's right. Radicals. They're, de they're zealots is what they are. And nobody wants this. And this is what they want. And they will impose it on us. As you say, often the minority is trying, uh, the, the very small minority is trying to impose something. Now, what's interesting here is that it's about families, right? They're against families. This is a, in creating families. Now, look, if 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 this mistaken problem and these and these embryos got destroyed, that is a shame. That is a terrible thing. Things like this happen, right? And this is going to happen if you are preserving these very delicate things. Um, I I don't know if you know this. I happen to still own quite a lot of um, little Kara Swishers. Little Kara Swishers, not eggs. I don't have eggs. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't harvest eggs, but I have the um, the semen, <laughs> and I still keep it because I don't. I can't Jesus, destroy that's impressive. it. You I, can produce semen. I know. I mean, of all the things I know, I know about you, I didn't know that. Yeah, I have a lot of it actually because I got pregnant pretty quickly, and so did my ex-wife. And so you you always overbuy it essentially, and I still have it, and I can't stop <laughs> keeping it frozen. You're long. Semen. I know, isn't that who weird? bought all this? Semen? 
I bought all. Is oh, it semen or is it whatever? Any, I think it's the word. I think that's the correct word. It's all spun and clean. Tongue, it's all cleaned hold up. Your anyway, I'm just saying, let me ask you this question, though. I really want to know. I, every year I pay to keep it frozen, even mm-hmm. though it's 20 it's years business. hence. Yeah, it's like public storage. Um, and, and people have offered to buy it from me, uh, people who have had children with the same donor. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what, I can't destroy it. It's weird. And it's not because I think it's life necess- at all. I'm not with these lunatics. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but if they if they had defroze it or they'd say that, mm-hmm. I'd be like, well, that sucked. They, give me my money back. But I wouldn't be like, this is insane. I'm not, do you think I should keep it, by the way, speaking of which? Well, I keep first it every of all, year. It's, expe- it's not inexpensive to keep it, by the way. Um. How much does it cost to store your sperm? Three hundred dollars a year. Oh, then do it. That's not mm, why would I know. you? But then why? Who do I give let, it to? I just want to return back beyond beyond my pro- okay. profane frapper of humor. You spend the first kind of thirty years of your life, or the people I know, trying not mm-hmm. to get pregnant, and then mm-hmm. you take for granted that you can get pregnant, and it becomes this enormous issue in the relationship. It makes. Both the the husband and the wife traditionally, or I would imagine same-sex part, it makes them feel very vulnerable. It makes them feel like they're not, there's something wrong with them. Uh, And all of a sudden, this thing they never thought about becomes just so incredibly important. It literally begins to dominate their happiness or the lack thereof. It does. Yeah. People want children. The IVF, I remember my my stepmom thought she couldn't uh, get pregnant. And when she got pregnant, it was just transformative for her it was it was literally it sounds cliche it was the gift of life and Let so me just say best thing i ever did best thing i ever 100 so here 100%. is arguably the most important wonderful technology in the world like if, if you were to ask people who have who have grown children who weren't able to have children and were able to because of ivf if you were to say what's more important you know the iphone or the microprocessor or ivf i can tell you what they would say and I got to think a small but very um, important group of people sees this and is just horrified and thinks, Alabama, Republican, Trump, I'm not on board with any of these folks. None of these things. I look, I'm going to we're going to move along. But I have to say, this is one of the great things. IVF is a gift to people. 100%. They made a mistake. And to take a mistake that a hospital make and use it for your weird religious purposes in this regard is hurting everybody and it will come back to haunt you. This is really grotesque. And this is where they want to go. Do mistake me. These people are religious zealots and that is where we're going if you let them. So that's just keep that in mind. Anyway, uh, uh, speaking of really strange situations and mistakes were made, the widow of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny uh, has had her ex-account restored after a brief suspension. Uh, ex said the filter against manipulation and spam had mistakenly flagged Yulia Navalnaya, her account. Um, before being suspended, Navalnaya uh, posted a video accusing Putin of being responsible for her husband's death, calling for Russian citizens to rally around her. Al- Alexei Navalny, a critic of Putin, died last week in a penal colony. I would say he was murdered, uh, probably. I agree with her. Um, by Putin, not directly, but he kills everyone. Uh, he is he is he he operates with impunity, and that's what he's doing here. But nonetheless, Twitter uh, X had uh, like nine hundred different reasons and couldn't tell you which one it was. It looks like it was a mistake, uh, but it certainly was a stupid mistake, and they couldn't get their arms around how what even happened and what a time to do that. They should have been in old Twitter. Someone like this. Who had just started this account would have they would have flagged her and paid extraordinary amounts of attention to high profile accounts. I remember when they did that. They did that all the time. And in this case, they're such a sloppy group of of losers. They can't possibly handle this, and it's egg on their face. So I don't know, Scott. Yeah, I think I think the Twitter story is a bit of a distraction, just because I think that I think that was more incompetence than intentional. When you when you get rid of your when you fire eighty percent of the people and you're. Tri- trust and safety team and there's no one there you know there's literally kind of it's like can someone turn out the lights here there's you're gonna just have shit fall through the cracks everywhere including this you can't even you can't even launch someone's presidential bid and have a twitter spaces right Jim, I mean, you oh, remember, yeah. that remember that but oh, yeah. the thing about the thing that really struck me about navalny's death uh, you know in addition to it being a tragedy he truly is a definition of a martyr what uh, how essentially putin doesn't he's almost not even hiding at this point that he's a murderer is that this guy demonstrated 
I mean, just such incredible courage, almost to the point where I would argue, I don't know, I, I, I wonder, like, this was a strange decision for a guy who has a family, in my view, but anyways, be that as it may, this decision to go back to Russia, this guy demonstrated so much courage standing up to an autocrat, to a corrupt, murderous regime, and you have at least a couple hundred people in Congress right now who courage for them is almost free. The cost of courage to them would be that maybe Trump doesn't appoint them to their cabinet. They know this guy is a murderer. Deep down, they are not pro-Russian. But this guy demonstrates courage. In the U.S., one of the many blessings we have is that courage is fairly low cost, but it is in short supply where we need it. And these individuals don't want to condemn Russia or Putin for fear that somehow it angers their guy or they're not seen as hard right enough. And I got to give, there are, there, there have been some Republicans who've come out and said this full, ranging from Vice President Pence to many senators. But the fact that there are so many Republicans who are not calling this for what it was, and that is another example of a murderous, corrupt man who is essentially a murderer sitting on top of the gas station who continues to sow chaos across the wor world. I like that, Scott. Which part? A murderer, sit, a murderer sitting on top of a gas station. I can't take I credit like for that. that. I think that was Senator McCain. Uh, uh, Anyways, okay. it, the fact that it would require just so little courage for them to come out and state the obvious, but they don't. And then contrast that with what this guy did. I mean, courage, it, it struck me, I love this term. In America, courage is almost free, but that doesn't mean it's in abundant supply. Well, I think the Republicans have become useful idiots in general, a lot of them. And by the way, um, you know, this guy who was testifying as Hunter Biden turns out to be a Russian operative for the Republicans spy. and Fox News. He's a spy. And the GOP is was defending him. And then Fox News, there was a fantastic Desi Lydic, who is my favorite person on The Daily Show, um, did this thing on Jesse Waters, who's such an oaf. And he he kept saying the most important, you know, witness, and he's so reliable and he's so amazing and this and that and this and that. He went on and on about it. And then when it turns out he's a spy, he goes, have you ever noticed how the Biden crime family has everyone who's been testifying against them goes down? I was like, he's a spy. You d did you not learn the first time with Smartmatic that you just got played by the, you know, by whoever, by the Russians or whoever was a, whatever nefarious person? And it's just uh, I just can't believe the, the, that the that the you know, let me just name out J.D. Vance, useful idiot. Um, the, the shift of, of Graham, of Lindsey Graham, what in the, what compromise do they have on this guy? Like, it's just, it goes on and on and on. And this shift is, it, it's an embarrassment. It's, you know, uh, Pence and Nikki Haley and others are speaking out rather firmly, Mitt Romney. Um, but these um, Republicans are, uh, if, if this was the McCarthy era, they'd be out of jobs. You know what I mean? Like, this is really, and, and, and by the way, that was a terrible situation for our country to have done to people. Um, but uh, they're not just, they're not just co co Russian sympathizers. I don't even know what the, what's happening here. It's really disturbing. It, it, it's very strange, though, because in, the, do you remember this? In the 60s and 70s, there was actually a very pro-Russia, anti-America or Russia yeah. apologist movement, and it started on the far left. Left, I know. It, it, it's people, inexplicable. People on the far left saw communism as is, is a collective, and it was more righteous and more concerned about the common person. And they would move to Russia, and they were apologists for Russia. Lee Harvey Oswald, guess who went to Russia? There you go. Remember? And then it has totally swung to the far right. And it comes down to, again, I think it's somewhat linked to this really dangerous form of masculinity or faux masculinity that has emerged where people see, if you got to... If you got a white guy who looks strong and is willing to murder people and doesn't care and flouts the law and democracy and maybe, you know, maybe throw in some homophobia, misogyny just for free gifts with purchase, you know, deep down, that's a real man. And it is so, it is so kind of, it is so repulsive and so anti-American, and it sets all of us back. And it is the absolutely last thing you want to be, you want to be polluting a seventeen-year-old boy's brain with. That there is some redeeming quality of masculinity and strength to being a murderous. Thug. Interesting that 
Except in Congress, most most Americans think Russia Putin is a thug. They do. They do. All the everybody knows it. It's really but this is how propaganda is done. They just drip drip drip. That's that's the danger here. In any case, um it's it, this it was stupid on uh, on X's part. And speaking of X, the FTC investigation found no evidence that X violated the terms of the government order that placed restrictions on data security practices. Uh but that's not because of Elon. He tried to to break it. According to the FTC, when Musk requested employees give the writers of the Twitter files, the, the groundbreaking Twitter files, uh, which is, I'm, I mean the opposite, um, access to everything, no limits at all, which would have violated government orders. The only reason that he didn't go down for this one, or at least get a fine for this, IT employees ignored the request. They ignored him. They ignored his orders and did not give anybody access to everything because they knew the rules around around data uh, security. Uh, uh, these employees are probably not there anymore. So thank you to all those employees who did not violate uh, security, uh, data security practices and had respect for people's uh, data um, and ignored the ridiculous megalomaniac leader in trying to get at people and use his platform for 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 revenge. Anyway. Okay, Scott, let's get to our first big story. The U.S. Senate has cleared the way to passing one of the most significant pieces of tech regulation in decades, the Kids Online Safety Act, or COSA. It's been controversial, uh, especially some anti-gay issues related to it. Uh, Democratic uh, Senator Richard Blumenthal and GOP Senator Marsha Blackburn unveiled a new version of the bill, which is better, with over 60 senators co-sponsoring it enough to ensure passage. The act would require companies to, quote, exercise reasonable care to prevent endangering kids and also put specific safeguards in place for young users. Uh, Let's go through a couple things. One of the recent changes is to strip away enforcement powers that give states attorney generals and instead give authority to the FTC. That was one of the worries that they would, people at different states would um, uh, mitigate concerns in a number of groups who worried Republican AGs would use the law to deny LGBTQ plus teens access to various resources. There's still pushback from other groups who believe the bill is a form of censorship and would limit free speech. This always happens whenever these bills come out. I don't know what's going to happen in the House. Probably nothing. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, so at a child safety hearing a few weeks ago, ex-CEO Linda Yaccarino agreed to support COSA, as did SNAP CEO Evan Spiegel. Other tech CEOs did not back, back it. And it's unclear if the House can, they can't do anything. So so what do you think about this, this bill? This is an area you talk about a lot. Uh, look, I, I'm, you know, there's been 40 hearings, uh, congressional hearings, um, as it relates to child safety and, and technology or technology's impact on child safety. And we have zero bills so far. So I don't even need to understand the nuance to know that I think it's probably a good idea and two, that it's unlikely to pass. And what Evan Spiegel and Lindy Yaccarino think, it's totally unimportant because they have no power. Their companies are pimples on an elephant. Uh, Linda Yaccarino deciding you know, that, that child safety is important, again, is it doesn't matter. There are no, there aren't, there no one under the age of 40 is on Twitter. So what a shocker. She thinks it's a great idea. It, it, it would have no impact on her revenues or earnings. The people that matter here are the folks that have an absolute army of lawyers and lobbyists because they have the money and they're very smart and they have people with British accents to show up and feign concern. It, 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 these companies have, these companies have an Army, I I had lunch with a guy whose biggest client is Google in Europe, and it it practically supports his entire firm, and he's just out there every day pinging away against any narrative that might motivate um, officials or legislators to do something like this. They people don't realize every day there's an army of really well paid people out there getting in the way, and then and then the officials go up there or the CEO gets up there and says. You know, turns around and tells the parents he's sorry, and then, but at the same time, there's there's an army of people fighting all this shit, and until until the Senate and the Congress, or you know, the Senate and the House actually decide, or I wouldn't even say that until people start voting people out because they're ineffectual on these issues, nothing's going to happen. So I I I'll stop there. What what do you think here, Kara? I don't. I don't think this has much teeth. There are people worried, and they're they're reasonable worried about it. Um, I think I think they have fixed some of the stuff, not moving it to the FTC and not the state. You know what these state 
AGs would do in certain states, right? They would they would abuse it. Um, I think I think probably um, it does. There are some very good points to be made about threatening threatening speech online. There are there just are, and 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 that will be that'll be a problem. That'll be a problem. Now a lot of my, someone that you should read who I don't always agree with, Mike Masnick of Tector has written quite a lot on this. He wrote, of course, as we noted, the latest bill doesn't make it marginally more difficult to directly express LGBTQ content. It also removed the ability of state attorney generals to enforce one provision, the duty of care provision, though it still allows them to force other provisions and sue social media companies if those state AGs feel the companies aren't complying with the law. Um, you know, there's got to be a... Um, uh, there's got to be a middle ground here. Obviously, this that idiot Charlie Kirk doesn't like it now because it's not mean enough to gay people. Um, essentially, you know, I, I don't think there's a whole lot of teeth here. Um, I would I'd read Mike about it and some others. And if you want, you have to realize a lot of these bills are never going to satisfy everybody. So we'll see. Uh, but there needs to be passing. Now, listen, the the again, the idea is passing anything. I think you're right. Um, and it's not going to get through the House. It probably uh, the, the House suddenly seems focused on AI, which the I think the Senate was before. Uh, Speaker Mike Johnson and Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries announced the formation of a bipartisan AI task force this week to explore legislation that addresses AI concerns. Uh, there's already we already know what legislation we want. This the fact that they're doing these dumb bipartisan things are is exhausting. Um, they will never create legislation or pass it as a joint group of people under the current environment. My question would be, there's always, a, there's always a fear that legislation is a blunt instrument that ends up doing more harm than good, right? And, and uh, you can understand that. In this instance, there's a fear that it chills certain speech or ends up being bad for certain vulnerable communities. And the question I would have is that right now, in terms of a chill on free speech, that that cold front has come mostly from shaming people or they say something stupid or they're held accountable for what they say and the world shames them and they're canceled. But what law has, has uh, I mean, what legislation has put a chill on free speech? What, I, I don't, where have we gone I mean, it just, I find the risks there aren't very present. Well, what does ensure reasonable safety mean? I think, I think it's just, it's, it's, it, you could drive a truck through some of this. Um, and a lot of people, look, the EFF is against it. They wrote a piece, don't fall for the latest changes in the dangerous kids online safety bill. It's amended. Um, it, it's going to, it's going to go through a lot once it's passed, if it's ever passed. Um, EFF says it's still an unconstitutional censorship bill that continues to empower state officials to target services and online content they do not like. That's the issue, right? That is the issue, and um, and 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 having the government decide what types of information people can read questionable. Um, th there's got to be a way to protect children, and I think some of your ideas, age gating, like that kind of stuff, is going to be. Um, what does it mean to to ensure reasonable care? It's like it's so again problematic. I think the age gating. Um, if you don't take down pornography, child pornography immediately, you get fined. Like there's some very clear things if you really were interested in doing other things. And I do think the right and especially the religious right really wants to shut down uh, LGBTQ youth discussions. That 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 is their goal. Um, and that is that that's what they want. They're doing it in the trans area. They're doing it everywhere. They want everybody to be a straight white Christian. And that is not happening this in any time soon or ever. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I, I just would, and as to AI, just stop having bipartisan commissions and, and pass some laws. We know what we need to do. You know, everyone knows what they need to do. They all, they cannot pass legislation. And that's really the dysfunction. So I had a call yesterday with a woman named Sarah Gardner from the HEAT Initiative. Have you heard of this? Mm -hmm. It's essentially no. an effort to protect kids, especially around, from pedophiles and uh, uh, the distribution of child pornography. And you know who she felt or gave me the impression was the biggest, um, I don't know the term is, the biggest culprit of all the platforms and all the big tech companies? Apple. LinkedIn. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Apple. She said that Why? Apple, because they're so likable, has escaped a lot of scrutiny. And if you look at iCloud and storage, they have really embraced this sort of heat shield of privacy as a fundamental human right and aren't cooperating with 
hashing initiatives? Yeah, no, they're very strong on encryption. They are. They never have backed away from that. It's a, the, again, this is what it's happens if you yeah. love. It's good to be for encryption, and then at the same time, every terrible person, especially pedophiles, will find a way. You know, whether they store things at the at the local cube, you know, they put their porn there. It's like is cube on the line for that for not letting you in? It's. I just. Uh, uh, look, there's some things they can do that, that mitigate this. Shouldn't really there be a different set of standards though for people under the age of 18? I mean, shouldn't there? Yes. It, it yes. feels like yes, we do it everywhere else. Yeah, right. that's right. It, we just have a different set of laws. You sell drugs, you go to prison for three years. You sell drugs within a hundred feet of a school, you go to prison for nine years. You know, it's just you, you, age gating, removal of 230 as it relates to children, child safety, they could do a lot of this stuff. And uh, they, they could don't. do a lot. I think one of the issues is this is a, a feint by the right to suppress LGBTQ. And I think they're 100% right. I hear them. I, I pay a lot of attention to what they're talking about and what they like. And they would love states, attorney generals and conservative states to shut down every discussion of uh, of gay issues. As they've tried. They've tried to try and try it again. They, they, it won't work, people, in any case. You can do whatever you want. It's not going to work. Anyway, let's go on a quick break. Um, and when we come back, we'll talk about uh, the NVIDIA numbers that sent stocks soaring and answer a listener mayor question about the business impact of the latest Trump ruling. Scott? We're back with our second big story, NVIDIA. This is your favorite. NVIDIA exceeded all expectations with its latest earnings report. People were worried. Quarterly sales tripled from a year ago with the chip maker reporting $22.1 billion in revenue in the last uh, fiscal quarter. Net profit increased to $12.3 billion from $1.4 billion in the same period last year. It's been an upward march under uh, Jensen Huang. NVIDIA shares jumped as much as 11% in extended trading following the earnings announcement. Um, ahead of these earnings, Goldman Sachs was already calling NVIDIA the most important stock on planet Earth. Uh, uh, Huang said in a statement that the earnings are evidence of accelerated computing and generative AI have hit the tipping point. Um, they aren't growing in China, where revenue has declined following U.S. export regulations imposed in October. Not a surprise. I mean, Amazon, Google, Meta, Microsoft are trying to work on AI chips of their own. Uh, again, Altman of OpenAI uh, is working on his own chip venture. He's been doing it for a while, trying to raise the $7 trillion. Uh, it's a big, fat market. Scott, go for it. Well, you know how we said, uh, I think it was last week, that the most singular, impressive quarter or earnings announcement in history was Meta, their last quarter, where they added the value of Shell in one day. They're now number two. This was the most impressive earnings call in history. This company added the value in 10 minutes after the um, earnings announcement, it added the value of Ford, General Motors, and Ferrari. Since the beginning of the year, in the last six weeks, it's added the value, and you'll love this, it's added the value of Tesla to its market cap. We have, I, I wonder- Talk about it if, it's, if it might be frothy too, though, but go ahead, oh, go ahead. I'd I, like to know. I just don't, I mean, any company that's trading on like 30 times revenues, it would hard to be say it's not frothy. But when people look at their dominance of a market, I mean, I think a few things are going on here. I've been thinking a lot about, I wonder if we're evolving to a new species where a key component of our species becomes asocial and asexual, and I don't think it's a good thing. But I also think, I also think we're evolving, businesses are evolving to this weird uh, mix of AI and technology where essentially what is being masked here is people are excited about AI, but I don't think they're being honest about how AI is being used. I think AI is essentially corporate ozempic. And that is uh, companies, if you look at what really drove Facebook's historic earnings, was that they were able to grow their revenues by 25% while reducing their employee base 25%, which took their earnings up 400%. No one's, no one's ever been, reflexively, our craving as a CEO is to grow. We have a little bit of us, of every star in the world, the universe wants to prosper, the cosmos want to prosper, and the way you prosper is you extend and you grow. So everyone's reflex reaction when you're growing is to hire more people. We want to eat more ice cream. We want to hire more people. And what essentially AI is, in my view, is it's Ozempic. And it's not replacing people one for one. It's not firing. It's not replacing Mary the copywriter. But it's meaning that you only need two Marys instead of three because it can draft proposals. It can edit stuff on its own. And I think essentially, essentially, if you think about it, a lot of corporations are losing weight on the Ozempic of AI. But essentially, uh, NVIDIA is Nova Nordisk. And the the I like this whole fat shaming thing, but go ahead. Well, Sorry, I'm kidding. I'm teasing, um, the, I'm teasing you. One point seven trillion dollar. Uh, 
By the way, the far left has totally politicized obesity. You're not finding your truth. You're finding a fucking ventilator. Anyways. Okay. So if right. uh, but, That's another day. There we go. So, but what you have here is a company that is asset light, has, seems to have an incredible lead in what is the ability to report. If you'll pay $1,000 a month, right? A large population of the world or of America, rich people right now, will pay $1,000 a month to lose that last 15. What will corporate America pay to be able to reverse gravity and continue to grow while cutting expenses? And what is the Ozempic that lets them do that? AI. And who is at the center of AI? Hands down, NVIDIA. So talk about, and he's a really, you know, I haven't talked to him in a long time, but I did an interview with him. He wasn't, it was doing game chips. Remember they were, that was what they were focused in on a lot of game stuff and some mobile stuff. I think it was mobile stuff, as I recall. Um, and he was such an impressive guy. This was a 2010. I feel like I forget when I interviewed him for one of the codes, but I was so struck by him. I brought him in. I didn't really have many chip people at, at my events. It was so technical. And he is an impressive person and has worked his way. The, the numbers, when you watch the march of the revenues over time, and it's not just now, it's over time. Um, and the march, the march of the revenue and the march of, of profits, it's an impressive, he is an undersung CEO um, in terms of his ability to push things through. He's compelling, um, you know, chip, you know, you go chip CEOs, ooh, dull, dull, but they're not. Lisa Sue is the same way, really interesting. He is um, just a, someone that deserves a lot more attention as, as in terms of how he's run this company. And he's run circles around these others, right? He's in the right place at the right time. Um, Amazon, Google, Meta, they're trying to do this. Now, they'll catch up, by the way, they will. But it's expensive what they have to do. And this money that Sam Altman's raising, I think he, you know, that was a lot that controversy. That he was working on a chip venture. He was entirely right to do so. Um, this is a big, huge market going forward. Now, that said, for all of this, and it's going to be real competitive, by the way. And so NVIDIA is going to have some issues once everybody gets up to speed, and they will get up to speed. But they're sort of like the Netflix of streaming, right? You know what I mean? Of streaming and before the Hollywood companies got in. And they will have their issues catching up to this guy because he's real good. Um, and he's had years doing it. There are is some issues around AI that I'm beginning to see crop up that are really disturbing, which is um, generated news that happens, especially after tragedies now, is dominating Google. If you search on a news thing, all of a sudden there's all these a clearly AGI-generated news stories that pop up that are really full of not just errors, but some of them aren't totally wrong, but they are dominating and overwhelming the information ecosystem. The ability to be more efficient is also problematic. So I would say you, we really do need to look at both the positives, as you say, saving costs and the negatives, which is a whole, a whole overturning of situations by mere flooding of information. I want to bring this back to politics. I, I, I think Biden and Newsom are, are missing a huge opportunity and a huge narrative. They should, for all the shit posting about California and the homeless problems and the border problems, Gavin Newsom should say, okay, Jensen Huang could have started his company anywhere. But by the way, where did he go to school? He went to Stanford. He went to another amazing state school called Oregon State. He immigrated from Taiwan. And where does he decide to live? Where did he decide to start a company? Guess what Gavin Newsom oversaw in the first, first six weeks of this year? He has created... In California, through a mix of innovation, amazing culture, very wealthy people, despite the crime, decide they still want to live there. They make a concerted decision to live, to continue to live in California. And what has he been able to do or oversee? He has recreated the entire auto industry in six weeks in terms of shareholder value. And then Biden needs to get out there and say, because of our focus on AI, our AI, our AI mandate, because because Jensen Huang can shitpost me, as can Elon Musk, and they have absolutely no fear that I will send a bunch of fucking thugs and throw them out a window. These people choose to move here. They move to the U.S. Who, when's the la what's the last AI company that was started in, in your, your hero country, Russia? We have a series of laws here that protect people, that offer them opportunity, that offer them rights, protections, family planning, and incredible prosperity, the likes of which no one has 
ever seen. Biden should be up there saying, <laughs> we are creating more wealth than any nation in any period in history, and it's because we are a democracy. And if we go back on being a democracy, despite how you feel or what you think is fucking macho, guess what? We're all going to make a lot less money. Jensen Huang, Jensen Huang isn't going to move, as are the most impressive nope, people in the neither world. neither is Google. And let me just say, can I just take a little lap? The story in the Wall Street Journal, tech leaders fled San Francisco during the pandemic. Now they're coming back. Founders and investors who moved to Miami and elsewhere and didn't shut the fuck up about it are returning to the boom in artificial intelligence and the abundance of tech talent. This is what I said would happen, right? It was overblown, this idea. And there are big issues in California. By the way, it's raining like hell there and office vacancy. It is such an opportunity for, this is a San Francisco and the Bay Area as a whole, as I'm, I'm going to put it as a bulk goal, because you can like wander around and look for poop in San Francisco, you'll find it. This just You find it in every city, by the way. Um, but what has happened in California in terms of pure talent remains so, besides being the most beautiful place, like from a, from a physical point of view, um, it is the most astonishing creation of tech talent, tech money, tech innovation that is e you've ever seen. And the fact that these people who made all their fortunes here, in, I'm not in California, in California, and then they shitpost it and they, they blame like other people's deaths on the homeless when it didn't happen that way. And they just can't stop fucking talking. This, 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 what happened here and what is going to happen here is remarkable. Again, once again, there's never been a, a business area that's generated so much wealth and will do it again and again and again. And they will fix the problems. They will never be fully fixed. But boy, is this, you know, you're right. He's, he, the, NVIDIA's in California. Google's in California. The AI booms in California. Um, I'm not doing an ad for California. Well, but and it's I'm also so an ad for America. To see this. It's an ad for yeah, America. Yeah, an ad for America. The whole state, the whole Bay Area, the whole, the whole ideas behind California should be replicated across the country. You shouldn't, your attraction as a tech center should not be that you don't have to pay taxes. It should be that you are a place of innovation. That is just, you're just greedy then. You know, you're just greedy. And it should be because you are, I believe in innovation and tolerance and, and ideas and forward thinking. And that's who's going to win the next era. Thank you. That is my speech for governor of California. All right. We need to move on. This is congratulations to NVIDIA. This is a really interesting. Just very briefly, there was another big merger, which is astonishingly big one. Capital One is said it's going to acquire Discover. If the deal goes through at a $35 billion all stock deal, if the deal goes through, the two companies would form the largest U.S. credit card company by loan volume. Uh, big, trouble getting past antitrust regulations, although there's a lot of big players in this area. Uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren, not no surprise, posted on the deal on X calling for regulators to block it immediately. I'm not so sure it's going to get blocked. Uh, I think it might get blocked because it's, it's. Um, I mean, one, people are spending a lot of money again um, and credit card debt's going up. It's an amazing business. They're basically trying to go vertical to boot both the processing and the front end card issuance such that they could they claim they could compete with Visa and MasterCard. It's an amazing business. But this strikes me as a fairly easy target for a populist argument. And there is some evidence showing that as these companies get bigger, their fees go up. So I, I see a lot of what I'll call posturing on the left around the big keep yeah, getting are, bigger. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if um I mean, some of this might be a bet that they can wait till a new administration. Trump would let this go through. But I wonder if if they're going to just try and slow ball it, because I think Cantor and Lena Khan and some Democratic, powerful Democratic senators might say, this is these brands are so well known to consumers that I think they might see this as an easy way to get in front of cameras and and say we're protecting consumers if the bigger are getting too big. Yeah, fees, fees. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's a fair point. We'll see where it goes. Um, but it's a big deal. It's, it's such a it's a huge deal. In the old days, this would have occupied everybody's attention, but the money is so big and these numbers are so big now. Well, I think it should get blocked because I think the fewer Discover cards out there, the, the more um, people will propagate. Because the fastest way to ensure you're not having sex is to throw Discover down at dinner. That's basically like showing up in IKEA or talking about your magic. That it really is a prophylactic. It's basically. Oh, I got you that for a present. It's basically okay. saying I don't want to have sex. Present. Just throw down Discover. Just throw it's down Discover. One. Okay. 
What's in your wallet? That's Capital One, right? <laughs> that is Capital I, One. I can't believe I know that off the top of my head. Oh, how could you not know it? It's everywhere. I, I know it is. It's a very good ad. Um, okay, Scott, let's pivot to a listener question. This question comes from a listener in New York. Let's play it. Hi, Karen, Scott. Uh, As a New Yorker, I'm curious what you think. After Trump was fined $355 million in his civil fraud trial, Kevin O'Leary was on Kristen Welker's show and said that this ruling is horrible for New York businesses and that all real estate developers do the kinds of things Trump did but don't get prosecuted for it. And that New York is going to become a flyover state because of how unfavorable it is becoming for businesses. Thanks for taking my question. Okay, this is a great question, actually. I just read a column in the in the Wall Street Journal by uh, Joe Lonsdale and Jeb Bush, what a strange pairing, talking about this. And they, I, at first it was like, oh, what's this Joe Lonsdale going to say? But actually it was, Joe, it was pretty good. It was an interesting, it was an interesting argument. You stayed away from, you know, uh, pumping Trump and this and that and saying it was a victimization. Um, I think the argument you're making was very similar to Martha Stewart and many others is why are you targeting him for things other people do? Well, that happens. I'm sorry to tell you, unfortunately. And um, just because people don't get prosecuted for these things and this is how it's done doesn't mean they shouldn't or wouldn't. Um, and But they were making a case that this is going to hurt New York. I'm not so sure. Sure, I think this is just what happens. Like these, some people get prosecuted for things, and others that you know, some people jaywalk and get a ticket. Some people don't. Um, I'm not so sure. I mean, Kevin O'Leary, of course, he would say this, right? Uh, but it was they made. I would, I would point you to the Wall Street Journal column by the two of them. I can't believe I'm recommending it, but it was actually a, a good. Um, it was pretty good. It was a pretty good argument for against this ru- rulings like this, right? Um, and the same thing, it was also including, of course, because Joe's a Elon Stan, um, saying that the, the the argument against taking away Elon's share uh, money compensation package in Delaware, it's going to hurt Delaware. I think that's ridiculous. It won't help Delaware at all. But Scott? So I think London and New York compete for the number one spot, best city in the world. If you like cities, I think that everything else is a distant number three. And But they're different in the sense that London, in my view, or my observation, doesn't have a lot of organic value creation. What they have is very strong private property laws implemented by Tony Blair, such that if you're a war criminal or if you made your money stealing, whatever it is, you're an oligarch, a war criminal, bring your money to London and it's safe here and you can, you can, be, transp- you can be totally opaque. We're not going to take your shit away. What, it was very unusual what they did with sanctions on Russia. They traditionally haven't done that. Um, but in New York, we passed transparency laws around real estate uh, ownership. New York is so singular, in my view, in terms of actual wealth creation. Um, people you know, come up with business ideas in finance, publishing, media. Just It creates so much value, and it's so singular that I think that it will survive um, this, this quote-unquote chill. I don't think it's really going to have much of a dent. I think wealthy people still decide to move to New York, build their fortunes here, ambitious people, and it's worth it. However, however, I don't like this case, Kara. I mean, I like it in the sense that I like the idea of Donald Trump scrambling to try and find half a billion dollars and him going him going broke. I love that because I don't like the man. I think this was a, a misallocation of prosecutorial, prosecutorial resources, and I think it's politically I charged. I think they do. Hold it on. is politically charged. I, I, go ahead. Okay. When when a guy is charged like this and has to pay half a billion dollars because he is a Republican president that Democrats don't like, it is politically motivated. Mm. And that's what this is. Mm-mm. There are, Mm-mm. oh, well then. I think this guy's been doing fraud for years and years. And you know what I mean? I think I think you're right. I, when the Martha Stewart thing happened, I kept saying, why her and not the 20 other people who do just what they say she's doing, Martha right? lied. I, she lied to public, yes, so, to FBI yeah, investigators. That's what she went in. But I'm talking about the original allegation of insider trading. I mean, I've been at dinner parties where I've seen insider trading. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like I don't, it has, I, it has the perception of political payback. It does. This guy has a history of fraud and lying about and inflating wealth and things like that. And eventually they were going to get round to him. If if we're going to haul in front of court, every millionaire and billionaire that has inflated the value of their assets to get better terms on loans, you better hire more judges. We're, but we're not going to do that. That's the whole point. It's just well, sometimes they'll do some. Then that makes it selective prosecution. I, I, I just, no. 
I want to, but let me be clear. Sorry. You hide nuclear, you hide nuclear secrets in a golf cart charging station. You try and overturn an election. You catalyze an insurrection. I think those are, those are offenses that you should potentially be prosecuted. And if, if a judge decides, go to jail. This, in Mm -hmm. my view, was a very politically motivated, um, uh, prosecution. Right. And well, not only take... that, it reduces the veracity of the other ones because everyone's going to say all yeah. of this is politically motivated. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I, and the, the, argue, the best argument to Trump has is Joe and Jeb Bush say here is judges have ordered massive punitive judgments on behalf of dubious or non-existent, quote, victims. Um, and they wrote, every American has the right to be critical of Mr. Trump's politics. One of us ran against him in 2016 or Mr. Musk's public persona. But equality before the law is precious, and these rulings represent a crisis not only for the soundness of our courts, but for business environment that has allowed the U.S. to prosper. If these rulings stand, the damage could cascade through the economy. It's a little dramatic, boys, creating a fear of arbitrary enforcement against entrepreneurs who just seek public office or raise their voices as citizens in a way that politicians dislike. And the, I don't like them linking the the Elon thing here because that this board looks so badly formulated that it's always doing it's it's a bad board and. Um, and this this was not a, a, an arm's length through negotiation. So I wouldn't include Elon Musk thing, and I think that ruling makes perfect sense. Um, this guy makes a joke of boards and makes a joke. Uh, his, his own employees ignored him in order to follow the law uh, of his, his, his what would have been illegal orders. So I wouldn't link Musk in here. I felt that ruling made perfect sense. In this case, there we'll see where it goes. You're right. You, you, we absolutely see where it goes. I do think it's you know, down in Florida, they have a judge that's pro-Trump who is obviously making rulings and may get disqualified for that. Um, I don't know. I think these things shake out, Scott. I guess I'm cynical. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's going to affect business across the country. As I said, I don't, I don't think anyone yeah. who was planning to move here or business that was planning to come there sees this and says no. Because I think, I think uh, they recognize, and this is what's wrong with it, is that it was politically mm-hmm. motivated. I just don't think if yeah. it was a popular Democrat who had engaged in the exact same behavior, no. you would have Letitia James go after them. They went after that guy who ran uh, like the Democratic machine in Albany. They went after, oh, I see it all the time. I'm sorry. You do. You do. You do. You do. I just, I don't, maybe, I mean, it's the entire plot of billions, but yeah, I, I don't know. You see it on both sides. There's, and, and look, right now with the Hunter Biden thing, hello, <laughs> hello, It's it was a Russian agent who you got your information from. I don't know. I'm cynical, Scott. I'm a cynical person. Anyway, we'll see. It, it, it'll be interesting to see where this one goes. Um, but he's got a lot more criminal indictments on the docket, so we'll, I don't know if this one matters as much. Um, and I don't think it's going to destroy New York. It's just not. Sorry, sorry, Kevin. Not going to. Um, if you got a question on your own, you'd like it answered, send it our way. Uh, go to nymag.com slash pivot to submit a question for the show or call 855-51-PIVOT. Scott, one more quick break. We'll be back for wins and fails. Support for Pivot comes from Hidden Layer. It seems like everywhere you look, industries are turning to generative AI. We talk about it a lot on this show. Businesses can generate more ideas, answers, connections, solutions, and momentum. But at the same time, security teams are forced to slow down that progress so they can make sure AI adoption is safe and responsible. Hidden Layer's AI detection and response platform secures generative AI and large language models from malicious attacks, leaking of confidential information, and intellectual property theft. Hidden Layer helps you generate more by enabling seamless, secure generative AI. Here's how it works. AI detection and response protects businesses from potential attacks by monitoring and analyzing the inputs and outputs of their generative AI applications, blocking harmful transactions and alerting security teams in real time, allowing organizations to accelerate their AI adoption with speed. Customers in finance, technology, healthcare, and even the U.S. Department of Defense trust Hidden Layer to protect their AI today. Plus, Hidden Layer was named Most Innovative Startup at RSA, the most significant cybersecurity conference in the nation. With Hidden Layer, go from pause to possibilities. Generate more with Hidden Layer. Visit hiddenlayer.com slash pivot to learn more about Hidden Layer's AI detection and response solution. This week on The Pitch, we're breaking form and introducing a new segment on our show called The Exit. You had your first exit at 18 years old, your second at 24. And then six months later, you start another company. This one's called Shipped. The company just exploded overnight. And then you realize, all right, we need more money. So you went out to Sand Hill Road 
I'm not a West Coast type. I didn't have a feel for the game, but I figured it out really fast. What did you think when you threw out the number? It is very easy to get distracted and excited and thinking about what you're going to do with your millions. I ran the company out of money. I know my CFO and everybody was thinking, this is nuts. Oh, shipped. <laughs> do you have any regrets about shipped? How Bill Smith, a high school dropout from Birmingham, Alabama, started, scaled, and sold his startup for $550 million in three years. That's this week. Go right now and subscribe to The Pitch wherever you listen to podcasts. Scott wins and fails. All right, I will go first. Um, I think a fail was, besides the Alabama embryo baby thing, this story, Oklahoma non-binary team died after school fight amid reported bullying. What's happening in Oklahoma is disturbing. The governor and then the guy who's running the education department are like, he's a, cons- they, the superintendent Ryan Walters appointed Chaya Rychik, the conservative activist on libs of TikTok, which targeted LGBTQ friendly teachers at these schools to state library advisors. Um, and Kevin Stitt, who is just, um, he's, he, he signed an executive order to finding an individual sex uh, uh, at individual sex as biological sex at birth. Um, laws have been taking effect requiring students to use bathrooms that match their sex assigned birth and restricting gender affirming care for trans use. They are, it, there are more than 50 anti-LGBTQ plus laws in states, um, according to the ACLU. This is in the Post article. This is a story about a person um, named um, Next Benedict collapsed in the day after an altercation in the girls' bathroom at a public high school they attended. Uh, a school where relatives say the 10th grader who used they, them pronouns has been bullied for being non-binary. This is the fucking repercussions of what these people are doing. This will happen again and again. And Kevin Stitt made a statement, the death of any child in Oklahoma is a tragedy and bullies must be held accountable. Fuck you. Fuck you. A complete... Please call me, because I'll say that to you if you call me. What he is doing and what they are doing in this state to these kids who are struggling, struggling, and have always been struggling, is they have blood on their hands uh, with this. Um, This poor family, this story is heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. And this is the direct fear. Um, And there was one quote by someone, Lance Preston, um, said that the Rainbow Youth Project received 237 calls from Oklahoma over the weekend. Two-thirds of the callers mentioned Nexus death. So uh, more than 80% they were victims of bullying at school or on social media. We already have kids who are reporting they don't want to go back to school, even though it's not a lot of information available still. There's a fear. Oh, my goodness. They killed a student because they were non-binary. What's going to happen when I go to use the bathrooms? Just... Uh, this is if you spew violent rhetoric like another person, Ryan Walters, who runs the education theater, this is what happens. This is directly what happens. It's a direct line and it is on you. And again, I just, you know, this topic is important to me, but he can burn in hell for doing what he will burn in hell for what he's doing. I don't really believe in hell, but there you have it. Thank you. That is my negative. Um, and my positive uh, is, is my book's coming out and I'm very excited to go. Scott's throwing me a party in New York next week, which he's not coming to. So I thank you, Scott. <laughs> they're in spirit. They're in spirit. Uh, they're in spirit. You are. I want you to send a video. Um, I'm excited about the book. It's. I'm excited about the book. It's. I'm finally that it's done. And I'm excited that it's selling with Scott's book on Amazon, which I pointed out this week. And everybody should go buy Scott's upcoming book and all his books. But he has one coming out soon, too. So I'm excited about our little book world, Karen Scott's book world. We're multi-hyphenate in case you're interested. So my fail is Ukraine's military is retreating from the southeastern city of Avdika, I believe it said, amid a Russian barrage. And supposedly during the retreat, um, there's reports that a thousand Ukrainian soldiers were either killed or taken hostage. And these were hard fought, you know, gains for us in the West and for democracy uh, that the EU came together around, we came together around, and we've literally just lost it for no other reason then the American <laughs> government can't get its shit together. It literally can't get out of its own way. Most people believe that, yeah, we've made unbelievable gains there with the incredibly brave Ukrainian army and a ton of technology and the West binding together to provide resources. 
they didn't they didn't lose the town because they lack soldiers they, they didn't lose it because they lacked strategic um, positioning they didn't do it because they lacked weapons they did it because they lacked artillery they la- they lacked munitions they're firing now 10% of the munitions they used to and putin is winning he's just he he correctly diagnosed the us as dysfunctional and he said all i've got to do is wait these guys out and because our system has great checks and balances on a lot of levels, but because when we have a group of people that want to tie this to a variety of other initiatives, whether it's the border, whether it's 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 Israel, and they create so many, so many yeah buts and stuff it with so much shit that we can't have just a vote on whether or not we should continue sending arms to Ukraine. And it is giving it it, it has resulted in a retreat. We are now in Retreat, and the and the media will try and spin it. There was talk about how they are now are now kind of bunkered in another city, and they took down three Soviet jets. But this is a battlefield defeat that started in Congress, uh, or specifically started because we can't get our act together in Congress. This is having real impact on the battlefield. They're good. That, that's such a myth that they're not successful. They've been extraordinarily successful, and. We it's because we're not sending them what they need to do the job. So that's that's my fail, and we've become so numb to a dysfunctional Congress that we don't really think about okay. And there's so there's so much news and good and bad that we don't realize okay. This has got to be just think of the frustration here. These hard fought wins and these very brave uh, these very brave men on the front lines, and they're ready. They're ready to risk their lives. And they don't have they don't have the ammunition. They're ready. They could hold the town um, because because all of a sudden the West, who claimed over and over, "Don't worry, we have your back," and now for reasons they can barely understand, aren't getting the ammunition and have been told, "No, we'll figure it out," but we haven't. Anyways, that's my fail. My win, my win is the first book review on Burn Book. So let me just. I'm gonna. There's a lot here. I'll read it. Yeah, it's long. Um, all all good. <laughs> okay, can I read just the last two sentences? They're pretty, yeah, they're pretty good. Please do. Um, she is particularly wary of the ramifications of social media as it continues to eat the news. And while Swisher's story of her own rise sometimes feels like background, there are important lessons here for women uh, looking for guideposts as they make their own way. Body, body, brash, and compulsively. Thought-provoking, just like its author, burn, ah, burn book. You. Here's the last thing: burn book sizzles. Sizzle. I'm going to get a lot of fire things, aren't I? I'm oh going to get a lot God. of fire. And that was by I know. that was the advanced review. It's book. It's book list. There's oh, four. There's three. Four things: Publishers Weekly, Booklist, Kirkus, and Library Journal. They they do the advanced reviews. They're very important, and they do set the tone for, they're for very what's coming important. up next. Okay, but they're not as important. Uh, this is a quick surprise. As um, my first review uh, from. Oh God. Uh, yes, uh, I got my first review, and it's from. Your aunt? What? No, it's from another. Oh, Kirkus. I got my first review from Kirkus, who is very important. Very important. And okay, so why? Yeah, they are. They are. uh, It's important. And while your sizzles, I'll read the last sentence of mine. An agreeably told but unoriginal entry in the field of financial (gasps) self-improvement. Well, thank you. (laughs) So- you're you're an inspiration, and I'm unoriginal. Brash body, <laughs> and I, you're brash body, oh. and an inspiration to all women. <laughs> and I tell unoriginal stories. You know, Kirkus is known for being cranky. They're is the cranky right? one. They're they are cranky. They're oh, I, I'm God. I'm sure they'll take a slap at me. They they always do a slap. That one's not very nice. That yeah, unoriginal. <laughs> breathtakingly unoriginal. <laughs> Oh my God! And I mean, I could, uh, I literally I would have uh, read your whole one, but I was worried I was going to throw up in your mouth. It is literally, as you said, they licked you up and down. No, it's a good book. Oh, you haven't read it. It doesn't matter. You'll see. Well, yeah, I don't. Doubt people it. who don't like me, I don't doubt People it. who don't like me have written me. I don't like you, but I like this book. That is. Where you know what we I are found though? I as, want you to read. as I've written mm-hmm. several more books in the last few years, the what? Interestingly enough, the reviews are inversely correlated mm-hmm. to the sales. My best reviewed book. Oh, interesting. My best reviewed book was my okay. least selling book, The Algebra of Happiness, and my worst reviewed book, The Four, yeah. was the biggest seller. 
Strange. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't. I think they matter a little bit uh, sometimes, a little bit. I think it, you really do have to market the shit out of these things and get people's. Well, attention. Oh, they don't pay to write it; they pay TV. to market it, as we are doing now. Yeah, as I'm we good are doing now. Yeah, I'm doing a really good. We're doing, and you are too. But I really do think uh, I'm very excited. It was so funny. What I was referring to was when I went to Amazon. They said, "People who buy, would you like to buy this package?" And it is all, all Scott Galloway books. There's nobody else mentioned. It's just. If you want to buy Kara, you should also buy this package of $70. Quit me. And you includes, can't quit me. I know. I can't quit you. Todrian Brash, burn book, Kara Swisher sizzles. What they essentially are saying is, this seems like a lot of fun, but it's deep. Yeah, that's I'm what they're saying. I'm deep and fun. I think, that, I think like, that's what they're saying. I think we're, anyway. we're scared of this bitch. <laughs> I think that's what yeah, they're I saying. Yeah, I know. Anyway, all right. <laughs> An unoriginal story told by... <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for that. Thanks for yes, that. Yes, anyway. Um, Okay, Scott, that's the show. We'll be back on Tuesday with more Pivot. Tuesday, I'm going on The View. I'm so excited. I can't stand myself. You're on You're on The View. I've been invited on public radio in Bend, Oregon at the Midnight Drive oh. Hour. So I got- Yeah, I got, that's because you're breathtakingly I unoriginal. Some, I got some big <laughs> media appearances coming on, Kara. And also <laughs> the Washington Square mine. Muse is interviewing me. Uh, the NYU student newspaper. So, you know, oh, okay. we both yeah. got a little, yeah, should be good. little media so coming our book. way. Maybe, media. maybe uh, three right. or four books. It'll be really right. good. Well, tens of dozens. Watch your shoulders, Tens ladies. of dozens of sales. That's right. Tens of dozens of sales. That's right. Anyway, Scott, read us out. Today's show was produced by Lara Naiman, Zoe Marcus, and Taylor Griffin. Ernie Nertot engineered this episode. Thanks also to Drew Burrows and Mil Severio. Nisha Kurwa is Vox Media's executive producer of audio. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. You can subscribe to the magazine at nymag.com slash pod. We'll be back next week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. Sizzle.